This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 1030. Thank you for tuning in. Morning, Canoe Creek. I'm really excited to make an announcement about the Say Yes campaign here in a little bit. Because of that, uh, I'm going to be shorting, making my sermon shorter today than normal, and I know that it like, breaks all of your hearts. Um, and I know that some of you are actually trying to figure out if I'm capable of doing that. But excited to make that announcement, excited about Palm Sunday, excited about the event following. We've got a team of people out there right now getting things set up for everything that's going on. And, and so we're really looking forward to celebrating today. And as we celebrate through this Easter season, you know, we were out in the community with Spring Thing last week. And we really enjoyed that and really got to meet a lot of new people and have even seen some of them come to church here on Sunday because of it and excited about that. And so we're going to celebrate again today. We're just going to do it here. Uh, Hopefully you're ready for some food trucks. We're going to have fun with that and just all the different events that are going on afterwards as well. We've been in this sermon series that I've been really excited about, been really motivated by, and been encouraged by as well. It's not been easy, though. We've been really looking, trying to look at people the same way that Jesus looks at people, uh, to try and love them and care for them and be compassionate with them just as he was. And that's not always the easiest thing to do, right? I mean, some people are easier to love and be compassionate to more than others. And maybe you just generally have a hard time, you know, doing that. And then this has been a challenge for you. You know, I know I, I got some friends and some family members that they look at people like they look at slinkies. You know what I'm saying? You know what a slinky is, right? You push it down the stairs and run down and do it over and over again. You know, so they look at people like slinkies. It's like they really have no purpose in life at all. But when you push them down the stairs, it gives you a good smile. You know what I'm saying? I, I know I'm not supposed to say stuff like that, but you know, hey, listen, I'm just being honest. It's been a difficult sermon series. When Jesus says, hey, be humble, that's difficult. When Jesus says, have vision for somebody that you don't like, it's difficult. When Jesus says, be tolerant, that's difficult. So this has been a challenging sermon series. And so we've been celebrating the victories in this sermon series. We've been excited to see the victories in this sermon series. People have been giving their life to Christ. Uh, matter of fact, we got another baptism today after the service. We're really excited. And, and some of these have been because of you going out and sharing the gospel with people, you inviting people into your home to have meals with them and things of that nature. And so we've been celebrating that because God celebrates. You know, God has all kinds of celebrations within the scriptures. We, cele- we talked about celebrating life because everyone's created to live forever somewhere. It gives us a vision for people that God has for people. He knows that that person, even though they may leave this earth, they go on forever somewhere because he created them to live forever somewhere. And that's why we celebrated deliverance because God has given his son Christ so that we can be delivered over into his hands and so that we can live with God forever somewhere and God knows that above all things our soul feeds on hope hope is essential to the soul and so that's why we need to celebrate hope as well because we see God celebrating we see God establishing a sense of hope the entire Easter season is all about hope that in this broken world and when it feels like it's sucking the life out of me God is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And in this broken world, when it seems like I'm left and abandoned, Jesus Christ has promised he's going to return for me. That's the whole Easter message. And that's why we're celebrating it. And God gives us that so we have that kind of hope. So let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Read a scripture together today that really is about celebrating hope. 
and it's the ascension of Jesus Christ. Just a couple of simple, quick statements, but really essential and important to the concept of having hope and celebrating hope. In Luke 24, verses 50 and 53, this is what we read. When he, this Jesus, had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into the heavens. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This is a celebration of hope that we see here. And we see how they respond immediately. They respond by worshiping. They respond by saying, everything that I have, everything that I am belongs to you, God. I mean, listen, we can come in on a Sunday morning, we can raise hands, and we can sing songs, and we can clap, and we can say, I've worshipped. But that's just really uh, an, an external, you know, visible thing to other people. Whether or not we truly worship is whether or not we truly dedicate our heart, dedicate our life, dedicate our soul, ourselves to God and trusting Him and believing in Him and following Him. Because after all, He's the one who's resurrected from the dead and living. He is the one who's promised that He will return for us. He's the one who's the source of our hope that gives us strength and encouragement. But we see this powerful passage about hope. As Jesus Christ ascends, he looks down and he sees and They worship and they are continually praising God because of this. Now, that's a good moment. We all have good moments, don't we? But we also have bad moments. We have difficult times. We have times where we look at a passage like this and it's just like, okay, I don't have it in me. I don't have what it takes to worship right now. I don't have what it takes to praise God right now. It's almost as if we're going through something or struggling against something or pushing against something that's not moving and it's sucking the life out of us. We're being discouraged, thinking that, you know, we're all alone in something. I came across a story of a guy who uh, lived way out in the woods in a log cabin and he was sick and he was weak. Uh, he didn't have the strength to go into town and even to go into town to see the doctor. Uh, but one night, in his weakness and sickly self, he, he had this vision from God. And he had this giant boulder out in front of his log cabin. And, and God told him in this dream, go push the boulder. Push against the boulder. And the guy thought, all right. And he was excited. I mean, it gave him some sense of purpose or some sense of meaning. And, and he had something to do instead of just sit around and be sick and be weakling. So every day he'd go out there and he'd push against that boulder. He'd push against that rock. And, and it was hard for him to do. And he had to take a lot of breaks. And it seemed to really wear him out pretty quickly. But he kept doing it. And he kept pushing every day, day after day. And take breaks and take lunch breaks and everything else. So finally, about eight months down the road, he realizes, you know, he's still been pushing on this boulder. And he's kind of tired of pushing on the boulder. And so he decides, you know, I need to see what kind of progress I'm making. And so he measures from his house to the boulder, and he gets a measurement. So for the next two weeks straight, he just pushes and pushes as hard as he can. He measures again and realizes it hasn't moved an inch in two weeks, not even a sixteenth of an inch. In fact, the boulder hasn't moved at all in nine months. And the guy's frustrated, he's discouraged, he's sitting on his porch, he's crying and aggravated and wondering why God would give him this vision if he's not actually able to do what God asked him to do, and then Jesus shows up. He says, why are you crying? Why are you upset? He said, because you gave me this vision to push against this boulder, and I've been pushing, I've been pushing, I've been pushing, and nothing's happened, nothing's changed, nothing's different. And Jesus says, come here, I want you to look at something. He takes him in front of a mirror, and he looks at himself, and he realizes he's strong, he's healthy. 
He's no longer sick. He's no longer weakly. And he, at that moment, he realized, you know, come to think of it, I feel way better than I've ever felt before. Come to think of it, I, I haven't coughed or I haven't had a problem with that in, in, in months. And all the while, he thought the vision was for him to move some sort of rock. And Jesus said, no, the vision was for you. You know, you may be pushing against something and you feel like it's just not moving. You may be pushing against a family issue that you just don't feel like it's moving. You may be pushing against a financial issue. You just don't feel like it's moving. You know, you may be pushing against a health issue. and You just don't feel like you're getting any better or it's changing. And all the while, it may be that something's in your life, something that you're going through, something that you're struggling with, and God is just trying to revitalize in you a sense of faith to give you the most significant amount of hope that you can have to realize that what he's building is in you, what he's developing is in you, that when you get through it, when you go through it, and you remain faithful and trusting in God, that you can stand before a mirror and see something that's greater than was there before because of God's promises, because of God's love and compassion towards you. And so we're all, at some point, pushing against something. Sometimes we're pushing against something that's harder than others. And, and God's message to us, especially in the Easter season, is don't give up. Keep pushing. Uh, keep working. Keep striving. Keep Above all things, keep trusting him. Don't measure your success by the world's standards. Pulling out the tape, seeing how far the rock has moved. Measure your success by looking in the mirror and seeing what God has done in your life. Seeing who you are becoming and how he is developing you. Our entire group's ministry, our discipleship model at Canoe Creek is based on really an important concept and that is we don't want to just simply be about information, we want to be about transformation. It's not just how much you know, it's about what you know to go do something different in your life and for other people. How you love God and how you love others and so that's so essential romans eight twenty eight says this and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose and, and i've known quite a few christians to, to quote this or look to this in times of difficult things in their life but notice what it says that's so important god works things out to be good yes but it's for those who love him it's for those who stay committed to him it's for those who trust him even when things don't go the way that you want it even when what you're pushing against doesn't move they stay committed to him because it's about his purpose and about his plan and this is exactly where the disciples those following jesus found themselves on the night he was crucified, they were absolutely crushed. They were dismayed. It was a really big contrast between that night and what we just read in Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53, where they're excited and they're ready to worship. They're charging hell with a squirt gun, doing backflips off the baptistry. You know what I'm saying? It took a long way for them to get from where they were to there. And it was all because of what Jesus Christ did in their life that they were able to get there. Because everything they had done for the three years leading up to that, they had poured their life out. They had given up everything that they had in a sense to follow Jesus. They put all their eggs in one basket. And then they thought it was going to go a certain way, and it didn't. And Jesus Christ died, and they felt like they were fools, and they were the laughingstock of everybody. They, had, they were trying to hide. They were just getting back to their lives, trying to get away from people. 
And yet we see this dramatic change in their life. And why do they have this dramatic change? Why do they go from such despair to such hope? It's because Jesus Christ is alive. It's because Jesus Christ promised that he would come back for them. And that's exactly what I want to look at today. Just those two quick things, very fast. And I know that I'm not going to say anything revolutionary. In fact, even if you're new to church or you've only been a couple times to a church, I'm probably not going to say anything you haven't already heard before to some degree. The real question is whether or not you believe it. And whether or not you believe it is going to be dependent upon whether or not you trust it. And if you trust it, you do something about it. You believe it and it transforms you and it changes you because you're focused in on Christ because that's what He does when you allow Him space in your life, when you allow Him room, when you believe that He is alive and living in you, when you believe that He's promised that He won't abandon you, it gives you a sense of hope that you live a different type of life. And so with that in mind, let me just mention those two things. This is the first thing that gives us hope. Jesus Christ is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He was dead. He was buried. He died a terrible death of crucifixion, but he resurrected from the grave on his own power. And he demonstrated that in great power. He is alive, and that's something to celebrate. That's why his people are worshiping. That's why he's celebrating. You know, when we come in here on a Sunday morning, and we clap, and we sing, and we worship corporately, that's awesome. It's celebrating. We should celebrate. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive. We've got a reason to celebrate. We've got more reason than anybody else in the whole history of the world to celebrate other than those who know Jesus Christ is alive. And so we celebrate. And the question is, do we celebrate in that same way when we go to work? When we go to school, when we go home, when we've got to go to the tax collector's office, do we celebrate that same way in all of those ways? Okay, maybe not the tax collector's office, but you know what I'm saying. Because Jesus Christ is alive. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. Matter of fact, when you think about it, there's some key things in the Scriptures and outside of the Scriptures that prove the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. In fact, the first one is extra-biblical sources. It's not just simply what the Bible says about it. There are all kind of other historical writers who talk about the, this phenomenal thing that took place that Jesus Christ was dead, and then he resurrected. And some say, well, he wasn't really dead. I'm sorry, but the Romans pr- prided themselves in making sure that when something was dead, it was dead. That was their job. And they were good at it. And they conquered the world because of it, their known world and their time. But not only that, there was a broken Roman seal. Listen, the only person who broke a Roman seal was somebody who was in authority in Rome or somebody who wanted to die. And so nobody was breaking that seal. But it was broken because God broke it when Jesus Christ resurrected. The large stone was moved. This stone wasn't just something that was rolled out in front. It was something that was on a hill and, and it was pulled, a chalk would be pulled out from it. It would literally roll down in front of the opening and lock, in a sense, into place. And there wasn't no disciples or women coming along that's going to roll that out of the way real easily, especially without the Roman guards noticing. And that's the other thing. The Roman guards fled. Roman guards didn't flee. They were trained to fight. And they would fight to the death because they knew if they didn't fight to the death and they ran then their commanding officer would have them executed. And so the Roman guards, though, had fled. Uh, there was grave clothes. I find it very interesting when you find grave clothes in a grave but no body. And that was one of the things that is another source of truth to Jesus Christ's living resurrection. Jesus' appearance is, is confirmed. 
His appearances confirm when you have people who are eyewitness to his resurrection, it adds credibility to it. And guess what? Over 500 people witnessed Jesus Christ uh, resurrected from the grave according to the Scriptures. But here's the one that's most powerful, in my opinion. The disciples' lives. The most powerful evidence of the, the fact that Jesus Christ is alive is the disciples' lives. Let, let me explain. Once I already said, these guys who were beaten, who were downtrodden, who were done, who had given up, who had ran, who had denied that Jesus was even their Lord and Master, all of a sudden they just get this whim, this idea, hey, we're going to band together, we're going to come up with this story, and we're going to go all over the world sharing the gospel, and we're going to give up our lives for it. That is just the most nonsensical idea I've ever heard of in my life. But what motivated them to share the gospel was because they had a gospel to share because Jesus Christ wasn't dead anymore. He was alive. What motivated them was the hope of his resurrection. What moved them to go out and give up their lives, literally all of them gave up their lives sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because of one powerful fact. Jesus Christ is alive. If you want to Trust and follow a Lord and Savior who is powerful. Trust and follow one who has a power even over death because Jesus Christ is living. And that's what we want to encourage you to think about today. Listen, Vasco da Gama was a, um, uh, it was a, a person who sailed around the world and, and explored and everything else. He was a Portugal sailor. And he was the first person that we know of that successfully sailed around the, co- uh, the Cape of Storms, which is the southernmost tip of Africa. Now, bef- before this, when people went and never came back, they had no idea what was around that cape. And so they called it the Cape of Storms because the water was rough, the seas were difficult, the wind, the storms, everything was bad. But he sailed, and when he sailed, he came back, and this is what he found. He found calm seas beyond that point. He found the shores of India, and this cape that was the Cape of Storms was changed in name to the Cape of Good Hope. Here's why the disciples' lives were absolutely poured out for Jesus Christ and why they are the greatest indicator that Jesus is alive. It's because Jesus Christ went around the Cape of Storms for us. He went around. He saw what was on the other side. He knows what's on the other side because he created what's on the other side. And guess what? He came back and he told us about what's on the other side. He said, even though you die, you will live. And you will live forever with God in heaven. He came back and he said, even though you have troubles in this life, I'll always be with you. And one day I'll return and I'll take you to be with me. You know, one of the reasons why we have hope is because our God is a living God. Because our Savior is a living God. Savior. And God could have done all kinds of different things to save us. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have come up with some weird ritual, run around the building seven times, do seven burpees. I don't know. Whatever. He could have done it. He's God. And we sometimes think, sending your son to die? Most conflicted concept ever. God becoming flesh? But yet, it not only satisfies so many things, within the scriptures. It satisfies the thirst-quenching need our soul has for hope. Because we see that though he was dead, he's alive. And he says to us, I'm coming back. See, this is another reason why we have such great hope, because Jesus is coming back. He said it before. 
he died. He said it after he died. In fact, in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And then Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection, they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. A lot of people don't know this. I didn't realize this either. But there's an inscription on the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. And it reads, One far off divine event toward which the whole creation moves. One far off divine event toward which the whole creation moves. Somebody on a tour asked the tour guy, what does that mean? He says, I'm pretty sure it's a reference to the return of Jesus Christ, to the coming of Jesus Christ. It's been ingrained within our culture for hundreds and thousands of years because God wants it there, because God wants people to see his son, because God wants people to have hope, and he knows where they can have it. They have it in a resurrected king, priest, and prophet, Jesus Christ. They have it in a king, priest, and prophet, Jesus Christ, who has said, I will not abandon you. When you feel like everything's the worst it can be and you're pushing against something that will never move, guess where I'm at? I'm right there with you. And I may be pushing it for you to accomplish something there, but I just may be moving something in you. And you'll be amazed and powerfully perplexed when you look in the mirror years from now and you see who you become because of your trust in me, because of your faith in me. So Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. He's alive. And he told us that he would return for us. That's one of the reasons why we worship. It's one of the reasons why we express ourselves. And it's above all the reason why we can have the greatest amount of hope. Jesus is real hope. He's not false hope. He's not fake hope. He's not a hope for the moment. He's a hope for all eternity. He is real, true, everlasting hope. And when we live as though we believe he is alive, when we live as though we believe He's right there with me and He will come to, to return and get me one day, it gives us an everlasting sense of hope that's powerful. People see it in how we live. People see it in how we deal with situations. People see it in how we're transformed and changed. It's powerful. Let me just close with this one last story. A missionary, uh, Gregory Fisher, wrote about uh, the second coming of Christ. He was teaching a variety of students in Africa. They were in a West African Bible college, and they were students, and he was teaching a lesson on First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 6. He was talking about when Christ comes, he's going to come with a loud shout. And one of the students asked him, what will he shout? He, he tried to deflect the question, you know, and, and act like it was never asked or avoid it. But instead, the teacher started to think about the man in the village who was tortured during the Liberian Civil, uh, Liberian Civil War. He thought about the mother who had lost two of her children because of a uh, terrorist ambush that took place in their village. He thought about the beggars he'd pass every day in the city streets. He thought about the broken people he saw every day in a very broken world. And he thought of all the people in this world who had absolutely lost hope and was in despair. And as he's thinking about this, his student presses him again. He says, what will he shout? 
And the teacher just simply said, he'll shout enough. Enough pain, enough sorrow, enough struggle, enough hurt, enough crying. It has been enough. And all of those who have kept their hope in me, all of those who have celebrated hope in this life, all of those who have kept the faith that I am living and have kept the promise that I will return, he will provide for them a sense of significant joy that we can only begin to even fathom right now in this life. So this morning, we celebrate hope because it's worthy of celebrating. Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave, he's alive, and Jesus Christ promised that he's going to come back for those who trust in him, those who have faith in him. So stop trying to measure your success in this world by the world's standards, what you've moved or what you've accomplished or what you've done or what you haven't done or whatever it may be as you try to push against whatever it is you're trying to push against. Start placing your faith in Jesus Christ and realizing that when he pushes you in this direction or that direction and you're trying to accomplish something, whether it's going the way that you want it to go or whether it's not going the way that you want it to go, what all that matters is simply this, is your faith is in Christ, you're listening to him and you're following him, loving him and loving other people in that same way. You know, he came to this world so we could be relationally connected to God so that we know who he is and we can grow in him so that we can go share him with our world. And that's what the vision is of this church is because that's what God's vision is for each and every person who places their faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for hope. Our souls long for it because you created our souls. And so we are so grateful, Lord, that you gave us your son It's a mixed blessing when we start to reflect on and think about what it really took, uh, how painful it must have been for you and for Jesus Christ and uh, the Son of the living God, Lord, for him to be here on this earth and, and for him to struggle in the way that he struggled, for him to experience humanity in every way that we experience humanity uh, and to give up his life. I can't even begin to imagine. And Father, we pray that as we reflect on your Son, as we think about his gift, We reflect with honor and dignity. We reflect with hearts that are true and open. And, Lord, that we truly seek and desire to be transformed and to be changed and to become more like him and to love other people like he has loved other people, to share the truth with other people like he shared the truth with other people. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would help our faith as we desire to keep pushing and, and be and be moving in your direction as we desire to keep trying to improve the things around us as you, as you move us, Lord. Uh, we we want to see those around us blessed by you. We want to see our community blessed by you. We want to see our business, places of businesses, our schools, our homes. We just, we, Father, we want to see this church and the churches of this, this community and this county, we want to see them dramatically impact where we live. Uh, Father, we know that there's always going to be people who just walk away from you, and that causes us, Lord, to have a, a heart that sometimes doesn't see people in the way that you see them. But, Lord, help us be reminded that you have no lost causes, that you believe everybody, uh, Lord, deserves a chance, and that's why you sent your son. So help us to celebrate life in that way. Help us to celebrate deliverance in that way. And, Lord, today help us to celebrate hope in that way because you've given us hope. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.